0: Missing the poetic beauty of day, as the hours somber of solitude pass away, with eye feeling thick, the ugly darknesses by hand, and the birds merrily by song praise the beauty of land, Africa, my land, free in the sky, but I, bound, cry, in my cell, protected, in my hell. Sometimes i hear the noise of wind rain and hail and someone soaked washed for support cling to a rail and many i think cling to each other for comfort and with embraces warm make themselves afford while i have no lullaby nearby in my cell protected in my hell often my numbed brain would resort to suicide. And heftly will I scorn to myself for this. They like genocide. To them is like a table at Christmas filled for a meal. Whilst for me it's a curse and the benefit is nil. Then my tummy I won't feel. But time I'll kill. For loud I'll try to sing. Mandela is king in my cell. Protected in my hell. The sounds. The sounds of children shouting at play with glee will make the person in me mad with joy mixed with fury. But this I'll welcome and I'll rejoice, for there's emotion, there's emotion, except this horrible emotion of my own solo voice as I to myself speak when I'm meek, alone, 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 protected in my hell. The quiet was the most dangerous And I swear when hungry, the most disastrous, for I with no will would all night meditate. And in the cold I perspired, and my body with no will shall be still, covered in anguish, sleeping in rubbish, protected in my hell. But in all those days, dark and gloom, with I incarcerated in their design doom, and slumbering in meditation like a hare with eyes open, you, my people, by me were chosen to share my eternity after my insanity, because you've been my paradise while I was protected in my hell. Now who are they to treat me like dirty laundry? Who are they to rule and wreck this country? Am I not the true son of the soil? Am I not the one who built this country with his dark black bag, green at heart hands through tremor and toil? This is my anger, born from my liberation hunger, and grown in their mocking laughter in my cell, protected in my hell. Now, hear you, my consolation, hear my consolation. I know I'll be free, free, yes, free, free to walk and talk in you, my country, because history narrates, tyrants don't last, history dictates, dictators bite the dust, and you, my captors, might one day be the captured in what was my hell.
1: Hell's protection. That was the voice of Sandile Dikeni. We lost him a few days ago to tuberculosis. He was 53. He was a South African poet, journalist, critical political voice during apartheid, during the transition and the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, and in the post-apartheid period right up to just a few days ago. Among many other things, he was also the arts editor of the Cape Times and editor of De Sud Africa. We'll be devoting Amamla's entire hour tonight to Sandile Di Kenny, starting with the 2015 2016 Badalisha Poetry Exchange in South Africa. <laughs>
2: Sandile Dekeni has been described as provocative, argumentative, and bold. My experience of him as a poet on the mic and stage is a man of great resilience and unshakable sense of humor. (laughs) So I'm hoping that today on Buddy Poetry Radio you will get a taste of Sandile Dekeni in his true top form. Um, I think it's this humor that has rescued him often uh, and his greater community in times of great difficulty because he, like them have had courage to ask very bold questions in dangerous spaces. Sandile began writing seriously while in detention in 1986 under apartheid law in South Africa and was a very popular performer at political rallies, community cultural events and so on. Um, Since the coming of Democracy, he has worked as a journalist and political commentator. But that's enough of a rave from me. I proudly present Sandile Dikemi
0: way back home one day someday should some freedoms be registered and final please do not scoff when I spit at the fruit of freedom because maybe maybe my bongo is the sound of a whale and my voice the anger of distance and my movements the estrangements of discontent but please do not be angry Some say, some claim, that in some April, some freedom threatened and came. Huh? But Hitler was born in April, and Lenin celebrates life in April. But so do I. So what are the boundaries Rosa Luxemburg once asked? And I wonder the questions of a Namibian poet. How far is Washington from Pretoria? And how near born from Tokyo? What is the distance between hunger and wealth? What is the mileage between the contentment of one nation and the discontent of a continent? How much of a black comedy is Africa really to the unity of nations? How satisfying are potatoes as a relief measure dished out from country's hands? Italy loves Somalia. This much we know from Benito Mussolini. And Michael Jackson loves the Zyrian children. Across the diaspora, how much love do we need to get serious? Maybe, maybe, if we do a tango in hosen and karate seven times a day, the G7 will give us G-strings to enter Hollywood in noble images. The most exciting act since Zionists put Palestinians on the altar. And if you eat pasta, we will discover... The distance between Italy and China is as fragile as the love between Great Britain and Northern Ireland. The lofty ideas of the Eiffel Tower are as crazy as the time mentality in Big Ben, as crazy as the love between Napoleon and Nelson. How far a love is Mandela from X and before Y and Z seals us? Shall we not rather ask the spirit of Gaza to be our blood and the blood of the Maya and the Sioux to be our spirit so that we drum it in the drums of Uhuru when it bangs in the pangs of a continent? Che might be dead. But was his chair only in Cuba? So now why? Why do you wonder when my kind of freedom can only sing me an internationale? Because maybe, just maybe, That, this, this, that, that, this, this is my distance from home. And goes...
2: In this poem, um, there's the freshness and the awkwardness of the new dispensation in South Africa, very much the season and tone in the air in the late 90s. It was also a time during which Sandili, along with a few others in Cape Town, hosted a series of open mic sessions, which turned out to be pretty much political discussions or salons in cafes and tiny restaurants in the city. Renowned for how heated the discourse on and off stage, talk about heckling from the crowd, those were hot nights. Um, They were called Monday Blues and Predominantly, there was protest poetry on these stages, but often this became the fire starter for much broader debate and highly relevant issues in the country at the time. So his poetry, along with those poetry activists, if you like, really raised consciousness, and instead of just the Madiba bliss or high that we were on at a very crucial time in our country's history, this poetry was asking pertinent questions, so that we made a conscious transition. Sandili has published three collections of poetry, Poetry, Guava Juice, Telegraph to the Sky, and in 2007, Planting Water. Definitely look up online so you can access copies of these via his various publishers. And today I'd like to leave you with his last line, or one of the lines in the poem you heard How much love do we need to get serious? Join us again on Buddy Leisha Poetry Radio. Thank you for listening. <laughs>
3: Kaya watijeri wami Musuku hamba kaya Musuku hamba Hola
1: Welcome back to Amandla here on CQT 90.3 FM in Montreal, around the world at cqt.ca. And for the best of Amandla, please do check out our blog at amandla. So Sandile Dikeni, we lost him a few days ago, very unexpectedly, poet, a critical voice and a thinker and a journalist, and we're devoting tonight to him. And um, we're going to move on to From Revolution to Reconciliation. This is a production that was first broadcast on ABC's Poetica, produced and recorded by Sharon Davis, courtesy of Sharon Davis. So here we go.
0: The realization of our uh, hopes and faith. <laughs> Slowly, our laughter begins to petal as a long forgotten graves where no one laid the reef. Flowers begin to bloom. Our dead exhale fragrance. I was born in 1966 in a small town in... The Karoo, called Victoria West, the town in a, in a semi-desert area, which is mostly populated by white farmers who own sheep farms. It was a thriving town, with about 12,000 people, a few whites, and they themselves divided into Afrikaners few English and I remember maybe two Jewish families and two Indian families one Muslim, one Hindu <laughs> the Mangas and the Govinges and then the Colored Community which means a mixture of white and black people and then a Tosa community which is basically Tosa speakers of the township. The town was divided by a river that ran from the north towards the east. And as it runs, it divides communities. We were on the west side. The colors were on the east side. And the colors were divided from the whites by a street. For our provisions, we would go to the white side of town. For our movies, we would go to the white side of town. For work, we'll go to the white side of town. And never the same happened the other way around. In other words, we knew the whites, and they never knew us. That's, that's the kind of town that they grew up in. They came in the night. They always came in the middle of the night. The toads in chorus drowned the noise of their excited voices after the relief of the summer rain. They came with empty tracks, they left with full tracks. The empty houses they left were filled with painful shrieks as grief danced a gruesome step on the unexpected lives of people surprised by the demise of suspicious rulers. The ways of the white men, a strange, 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 The old ones remaining were explaining. The women shocked found no comfort in these words of wisdom that left them unwise. They knew only sorrow. When they pondered the tomorrows or the love of breadwinners, they only saw doom in the hands of the white men. They asked why, but why, they asked. No answer filled their ears. Their tongues got tired. They held no explanations to feed the hungry children whose questioning eyes haunted their sluggish moments from one empty pot to another. Their toes from one shuttered house to another looking for comfort, for strength, for food, for opportunities to cry, to ask each other why, until the children began to cry, when children began to cry, when fathers remained away, despite the promises that came day by day Daddy shall come tomorrow. For the children knew that tomorrows are children of the night, but when days become night and nights are forever, Children feared the night. They came in the night. Fathers disappeared in the night. That is what the children knew, and they hated the long night. My father was a very intelligent guy. He used to read everything. Very just person as well. But I guess everybody says it about their fathers. And then he used to work as a normal laborer, scullery boy or or messenger or petrol pump attendant, or those menial kind of jobs, garden boy, that kind of stuff. But in nineteen sixty eight, one night in April sixty eight, the security police then burst into our house and came and took away my father. And took away seventy eight others. Men took them away and charged them for treason. The accusation was that my father and them were trying to poison the white water supply of Victoria West, which is very strange in itself, a town with two water supplies, one for blacks and one for whites. For two years, they tried to make him confess to something that he refused to confess. They beat him up. He tortured him, made him sleep in, in wet cells, forced half of the people with him in the trial to testify against him. Basically, they just destroyed him. They returned. They returned with the day and the children, dancing, a loose dance, hips swaying, feet the blur of ecstasy. Here comes food, here comes food. They rejoiced when the sun, playing in violet and red and yellow and blue and violet and yellow. They were ecstatic in joy when they returned. With tears, with fears, for the years that sprawled uncertainly in their thoughts, no one, they mused. New futures guarantees. But freedom, even for a while, is the sweetness of honey. And knowing that, they slept the night with courage pulsing their dreams. The induced worries of time would fight against time. The battles, the endless battles that wrestled their lives were eternal in design, Flavored with brief pauses, they buttered them all over the land beyond recognition when they lost identities to hide from the malice of jail experiences which like a tail followed their trails dragging along heaps of misery. They became, you see, terrorists, murderers, saboteurs in the eyes of those who placed the yoke on their innocent lives. But they knew and know that their mission, knew, was terror, murder, sabotage, against lies and insecurity. Separated by the blows of their destinies, they vowed, separately, a loyalty against betrayal, a fight against terror, a fight against themselves, to be themselves. Most fail, some are winning, some won in the power of knowledge that generations to come will absorb the sin with the tread of years, wash away the tears, conquer the fears of a cruel crime, punish without crime. They told their story to the children. They taught their vows to the children that we shall never do to them what they did to us. After he was acquitted, though, he didn't stop there. Wherever he went, whenever my father got a job, security police would come and then say to his boss, you know that this guy was involved in the treason trial, the saboteur, he's a terrorist, he's all these things. And he would lose his job. It's a small town. That followed him to a point where he then began to change names going to other bigger towns to try and find work as a result we never really grew up with my father we always kept on seeing him at the end of the year when we'd come back for the christmas holidays and um, we'd come back with his earnings put them on the table and say okay so now so and so will go to high school and so and so must stay at home and so we did turns in our education it was planned by the family would she would lead the discussion, and you know our house was run like a democracy. And for me, it was the best upbringing ever. I, I remember the frustrations with this kind of stuff because we also wanted to be like other children, but there was security involved. Here. There was um, a kind of uh, deeper understanding what white people are capable of, without once being spelled out in any political terms. But in terms of, of survival, I don't tell people where I am, because if they know where I am, then I'm going to lose my job. When they lose my job, then you're not going to be able to go to school. You know, that kind of a story. But he brought us all up, all of us at home. Got matric, and at least had some higher education than matric, university, technikon. But he himself, in mean, terms of life, totally, absolutely destroyed for a crime he did not commit. Further, there is a sanity that goes beyond the cluster of wonder in my thoughts when I try to understand you. Father, my years are still fresh like the opening of a flower early spring. So also flows life, my physic, in the way a waterfall rushes down the mountain after a running rainfall, dragging and learning the virtues and vices of life's journey along the meanders of growth. Somehow dead, my early life is old. The age of a baobab, Harassed by the winds, I stand the trial, holding no self-denial. When dunes and cliffs around me succumb to the terrors of time, I produce the pulpy fruit of a seed, from thoughts, from you. What I'm saying there is, if my words now are the sweetness of a lake, and my tongue not the barrenness of a desert, then take pride, because this tide is the sprouting of a seed, planted by you
3: small
0: things it's small things that makes children laugh it's a grain of curry in your eye another drop in your sneeze it's a bright flag we ping the wind, but mostly it is the laughter in your love that makes children laugh. During the state of emergency in '86, so youth activist, detention without trial. Um, in jail, I discovered about poetry because I wrote poems in jail. When they got to torture you or they got to interrogate you, they can't do it in the maximum prison because that's prison's jurisdiction. So they always take you out to a police station. While this transfer was happening for me. They inspected what we had before we leave the prison. And they found my palms, and they, they tore my palms apart in front of me. That moment, when I saw them being torn in front of my eyes, it was worse than the beatings, it was worse than the torture, it was worse than the interrogations. It was the one moment where I nearly, nearly lost it in, 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 in prison. They had discovered... Um, part in my armor that i didn't know existed and that they were going to destroy it after this then i decided not to write poems on paper but to compose poems in my brain and start in my brain because that they cannot destroy so then i had to (laughs) recite them and read them out loud I always say that my first poetry performance was for a group of jailbirds, killers and murderers and drug smugglers and drunkards at Makassar Police Station. And later on, it became a lullaby. I mean, the guys wouldn't be able to sleep in the other cells until I have done a poem. And I fell in love with poetry and what, what it can do. There's a particular aesthetic and a discipline that can move people from one horrible essence to, to something totally different. That was my discovery in jail. Health Protection. Missing the poetic beauty of day, as the hour somber of solitude pass away, with eye feeling thick the ugly darknesses by hand, and the birds merely by song praise the beauty of land, Africa my land, free in the sky, but I bound, cry in my cell, protected in my hell. Sometimes, sometimes I hear the noise of wind, rain and hail, and someone soaked, washed, for support cling to a rail, and many, I think, cling to each other for comfort, and with embraces warm make themselves a fort, while I have no lullaby nearby, in my cell, protected in my hell. Often my nun brain would resort to suicide, but heftily would I scorn to myself for this. They lack genocide. To them it's like a table with Christmas filled for a meal, whilst for me it's a curse and the benefit is nil. Then My tummy I won't feel, but time I'll kill, for loud I'll try to sing. Mandela is king in my cell, protected in my hell. The quiet was the most dangerous, and I swear when hungry the most disastrous, for I with no sleep would whole night meditate, and the cold I perspired, and my body with no will shall be still, covered in anguish, sleeping in rubbish. Protected in my hell. But in all those days, dark and gloom, with I incarcerated in their designed doom and slumbering in meditation like a hare with eyes open, you, my people, by me were chosen to share my eternity after my insanity because you've been my paradise while I was protected in my hell. Now who are they to treat me like dirty laundry? Who are they to rule and wreck this country? Am I not the true son of the soil? Am I not the one who built this country with these dark black bag, clean at heart hands to tremor and toil? This is my anger, born from my liberation hunger and grown in their mocking laughter in my cell, protected in my hell. Hear you my consolation, hear my consolation, I know I'll be free, free, yes free, free to walk and talk in you my country, because history narrates tyrants don't last, history dictates, dictators bite the dust, and you my captor shall one day be the captured in what was my hell. When I left jail, I was angry because there's a state of emergency in the country. I was angry because I could see people dying like flies. The 80s, you know somebody today, tomorrow he's dead. There's a bullet in his head. His body was found somewhere, charred body. It was just death, just all over the place, and uh, whew, it was it was hectic. And I wrote um, a resistance poem called. Uh, Guava juice, which was kind of an instigator, but it was also a metaphor for how we were turned into these violent entities. We didn't have arms, we didn't have fancy guns. What we had though was creativity, we used to do more of cocktails. More of cocktails, a petrol bomb, yeah, to throw at cops. And we used to call petrol bombs guava juices. You couldn't say petrol bomb. You talk in front of police about guava juices, and they wouldn't have a clue what you're talking about. So it was also code language in the, in the 80s. Guava Juice. Shake, shake, my comrade. Shake that invention of the working class. Shake that unifying medicine before it's too late. Shake before the time come to pass. Shake that Guava Juice. And throw, throw Gabani. Throw that liquid of capitalist invention. Throw the blood of Tzigane. Throw before they see your intention. Just throw that Guava Juice. And dance, dance, my hero. Dance around the fire of resistance. Dance at the success of your throw. Dance because the dogs are still at a distance. Dance for the guava juice. But make, make my young lion. Make another guava juice. Make another one as strong as iron. Make many more until they beg for a truce. Make those guava juices. And beg, beg, you bastard. Beg that your filthy skin be spared. Beg that your blood does not flood. Beg because you have many guava juices stored. Beg those little dangerous guava juices. Mm. (laughs) After doing guava juice, we'll all go into the street and start throwing more petrol bombs and stones, quickly. just became so popular at some point and became like a national phenomenon because when the ANC got unbanned in 1990, their first rally was held in Cape Town. And I was so scared because it was such a big moment. Here was a stadium full of thousands of people, 80,000 people, and Nelson Mandela speaking there, the great exiled leaders have come back home, and I, am one of the poets, I was never so scared and I get onto the podium and I start Guava Juice and I read the first line and suddenly I hear this echo coming from the crowd and 80,000 people reading my poem with me you don't want to publish anything after that 80,000 people reciting with me it was the most beautiful moment for me Mostly as black people, we actually grew up not knowing the beauty of the land. Our movements were restricted. You had to carry passes. When we grew up with the psychology of, like, you cannot go to certain places. I mean, many people in Cape Town have never been on top of Table Mountain. Actually, foreigners know more about our fauna and flora than we do. In the apartheid era, what we did was... We articulated struggle in our literature, but to be fair to us, we also wrote very tender poems about living and about loving this country. poem for my country. My country's for love, so say its valleys, where ancient rivers flow the full circle of life under the proud eye of birds adorning the sky. My country's for peace, so says the silent felt where reptiles caress its surface with elegant motions glittering in their pride. My country is for joy. So talk the mountains with baboons hopping from boulder to boulder in the majestic delight of cliffs and peaks. My country, my country is for health and wealth. See the blue of the sea and beneath the jewels of fish. Deep under the bowels of soil, hear the golden voice of a miner's praise. For my country, my country's for unity. See the millions, feel their passion, their hands are turned together, and look, there is hope in their eyes. We shall celebrate. Celebrate. South African culture is based on orality, and part of our traditions have been poetry performances. And that, for me, has been one of the things about colonization of the mind. Not only do they deny you what their culture is all about, they make you sleep outside, they refuse to give you houses, but they also deny you of what you already have. A kind of a non-recognition of our artistic artifacts was part of our oppression in this country. And I guess, I mean, reclaiming the platform was a kind of also reaffirmation of ourselves and our cultures and our own ways of doing things. You know, you choose different languages to pursue different things. And in my course of poetry, I choose to do things in a particular way. And part of it is is, going to be still an exploration for quite some time. I also write in Afrikaans, by the way, and part of being South African, that you got to be diversified, which makes you very schizophrenic, but it's the kind of schizophrenia that I really can live with. I wrote a poem for my, for my brother, Dicey, which is more about rhythms and essences. My brother died of TB at the railways, and he always brought from work the sounds of work and the poem I wrote was basically in four languages in one poem, and I prefer that kind of dealing with language instead of, of uh, old-fashioned sticking to my trochaic kind of thing. A poems called Track, Track of, of the, the tracks. tracks. Track of the Tracks. It begins with a laugh, but it's hard, breathless, still. It says, peki papa, kusana peki papa, peki papa, kusana peki papa. Side tap side, back up, side, tap tap side, back up. My granny makes porridge, my mum makes porridge. My granny makes porridge, my mum makes porridge. My granny makes porridge, my mom makes porridge. So take it here, put it there. Take it here, put it there. Take it here and put it there, because there, there the night comes, sweating, perspiring outwards, drags the guts in the blood red pulp that drains the sweet of youth out." Out to the harshness of world that leaves you cold, cold When sun unveils generous blanket of light But never touches the insides and bone and marrow Shrivels ice stone Inside, outside, inside, outside, inside, outside Inside the railway tracks where we chant So jiggle emawene, emawene So jiggle emawene, emawene So jiggle, emawene, so jiggle, emawene, so jiggle apina, hey. So, Jigela Pina, hey, hey, we we bend the cliffs. The cliffs, we bend the cliffs. The cliffs, we bend them for you and you. We bend them for you and you. Hey, you. Our breath is hot like the hiss of Makadas, the steam train that puffs against the winter wall of a Karoo drought. And bends and swerves through our lives, dark and black as the soot from the coal mines of Newcastle, where some more black blood coughs, but from deep down. See shoving, go lova ne, go ne. See shoving, go ne. As you push the small coal trains against the winter's white breath, that cracks under our boots and melts into ice crystals. And hardens in our lungs lobes. But still, we shall sing warm longings. Like we stood move my tongue, and a boom. We move my tongue, and a boom. Boom my tongue, and a boom. My baby's heart, her thighs are red. My baby's heart, her thighs are red. My baby's heart, her thighs are red. Sing, sing, we sing until death comes and sings in our breath. One thing that I'm proud about my country is that in this last 10 years we've done, a lot of things are totally unconventional. We don't do things the way people want us to do things for the majority of times. We are a country of debaters, and many things are fluid. They change. Today you wake up feeling like that. Tomorrow you're not so sure about what you felt like yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are a new country. We look like anybody else, like Australians, Americans, like the Brits. We look like everybody else. But we've got something more that we want to put onto the table. And part of what we want to put on the table is like we know acutely what human misery is all about. We don't want any more of that anymore. Those aspects I find very exciting about my country. Most of the things here, contrary to what people try to pretend sometimes, are maybes. They are questions, they are perhaps, wishes, hopes. That is the vocabulary of my country. (laughs) Telegraph to the sky. Stay with me when the sun rises from a western sky with silver spears lashing at earth and our youth when the eastern horizon hangs smoke a celebration to a fading dream will you take my blistered hand to a kiss the journey between reflex action and conviction where moments flash from substance to emotion where we count seconds as instinct we live. we live in times so we are against time and impulse rules over us as undirected unelected factor We leave cliché as fact, and fact is cliché, to the one beat of change. Stay with me. Will you stay when I have no more hallelujahs to your name, and instead offer flowers to your anonymity, when my knees refuse to bend at your beauty, but my eye of growth raises an altar to your soul, that power? The power that dreams awake a Brazilian forest or in its strength of wish reawakens our dead at Biafra, Kasinga, or wherever your heart leaves amongst the innocent dead. Stay with me. Will you stay when I stand up and I sing to the world, its greatness, its magnitude? For an ability to turn itself upside down while the inhabitant still believes in its constants, unaware that the heads are facing downwards. Hey, hey, nowadays they don't hang you by the neck till you die. They dangle you by the feet till the blood comes to the brain. It's a high feeling. It's so high it makes you reach for sky, but you touch earth as limit, as ecstasy of reaching some end. Because your journey has been long, but much longer when you live in a dream forest, Poetry. Stay with me. They say they say it's not by bread alone that we live. And no, it's by poetry alone that we survive. With poetry dancing in our tongues, we wiped the blood from our mouths. We charmed our torturers. We dangled freedom bells in our shackles. We made music out of sirens. We made homes out of prisons. We redesigned parliaments out of corrugated iron. We petrol-bombed our angry past. We blasted our martyrs out of our brains and we made shrines out of their graves. We weaved forgiveness onto our T-shirts. With our last remaining droplets of blood, we're still trying to paint peace on angry dark skies. We silenced our solitude. We mated our humility with our anger. With hammers and chisels, we're still trying to punch hopes deep into our hearts. And then we danced, we swam, we played water games in our own tears. So that now, now, now we wave flags so bright, sometimes brighter than our future. But stay with me. You must stay when the jungle has no tree, when this rain has no sea, this wind has no breath, desert has no sand, and stars have no eyes to see. God has no mercy. The devil is making barbecue out of the land now. But it's now that you must stay. You must stay so that we sing, we sing praises from experience. We sing ideas from consciousness, and we cultivate destinies from the barrenness of this, this history. Stay with me, shall you, please?
1: from revolution to reconciliation uh produced and recorded by sharon davis
4: Having our annual general meeting Tuesday, November 19th from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Rutherford Building on McGill Campus, room 118. Come find out about the issues and activities of the past year at your favorite radio station, CKUT. Reports, financial statements, and elections open to all members. If you would like to present a motion, email admin at ckut.ca. The deadline for motions is November 9th. That's CKUT's annual general meeting, Tuesday, November 19th, 6 to 9 p.m., Rutherford Building Room 118, 3600 University on the McGill campus. The building is an accessible space. For more information, contact admin at ckut.ca.
0: Back by popular demand, the OFC, One Full Circle Melanated Community Network, is excited to present 1804, the hidden history of Haiti documentary viewing in English and for the first time ever in French. 1804 becomes important because it's the date at which
3: the implementation of the dream of real revolution
0: and real equality it's manifest. 1804 discusses Haiti's amazing triumph and explains the deep roots and bonds shared between the Haitian and Jamaican community. This is an amazing education opportunity and a great self-esteem booster for our elders, our youth, and for the community at large. Join us for this one-time viewing on Sunday, November 17th at 6.30 p.m. at the Dollar Cinema, 6900 Dakari Boulevard. For tickets, call or text 514-651-4545 or visit nre.ca. This is a CKT co-presentation.
1: You're listening to Amanda here on CKT 90.3 FM, and we're just about out of time. But again, how very, very sad to lose Du Dukani, dead of TB, just like his brother. So uh, we're going to end on one last poem and uh, say goodnight and see you next week.
0: Ode to the Musical Guerrilla for Abdullah Ibrahim. Wandering in the melodic meadows the chord, your staccato that soothes away racist felony and the rhythmic drum the calm guerrilla come in the urban forest and your horn whispering unrest your forty fingers fingering the piano murmuring umanyano um, You complete your attack with a flute whistle patting your back and your voice, oh, your voice, alive. Vittoria es Certa.